Totes Football Show. Today, controversial calls and Roman charges in Europe, which under new EU guidelines are actually the same as domestically. In Manchester, Jesus, Mohammed, and a wholly unhappy Pep. In Rome, a miracle. While in Madrid, hey Vasquez, you ever been mistaken for a penalty? We round up an incredible few days in the Champions League, then turn our thoughts to the Premier League. Relief, as Kane's daughter found safe and well after Premier League give in and award him Stoke goal. But what will happen when Harry and Son face City on Saturday? Will it be Pep's fourth straight defeat? Can West Brom just hand them the title anyway on Sunday? And what about Newcastle Arsenal? So many questions coming up, including FPP, does it mean the party's over for PSG? And so much more. It's all in this Totally Football Show. A Totally Football Show today that features Julien Laurent. Hello, James. Bonjour, Julien. Bonjour. Ça va? Très bien, très bien, merci. Excellent. Pat Nevin's also here. Hiya. <laughs> I'm not going to do all the bonjour stuff. <laughs> go on, Pat. I oh, bonjour. There you go. <laughs> and James Horncastle. Bonjour. Excellent. No one knows anything. William uh-huh. Goldman's famous maxim from yes. his Hollywood days. So applicable. So applicable to this crazy sport that we love so much. This week, and Monday, we didn't even bother previewing, and we're not the only ones, the... Champions League second legs. One, maybe the Bayern Munich Sevilla looked like possibly. That was a really exciting game to preview as well. <laughs> but nobody. <laughs> I turned it really lived up to the hype. So nil nil at the Allianz Arena. Nobody thought, to the extent, Pat, that you even had flights and, and a hotel booked in Madrid. But the BBC said we're not bothering to even cover the second leg of Real Madrid Juventus because they're 3 0 up. And, you know, there's a bit of me that would be slightly disappointed from my position, but and from another position, they have to take care of the licence fee payers' money. And but it didn't look the... as if it was going to go, right. as we all knew. Nobody thought it was going to go. Also, it was a really important Grand National documentary that they put out in its place, no? <laughs> anyway, so that... But, but they were wrong. We were wrong. Tuesday night, we had one of the greatest, certainly Champions League knockout games ever. And Wednesday, we very nearly had another. Juventus 3-0 down, going to the Bernabeu, becoming the first side ever to score three goals on on Real, only to be denied by, what, a 95th-minute penalty? 97th. 97th in the end, was it? Now, well, as Sid Lowe tweeted, pity the match reporter. (laughs) There were so many talking points in this game. Obviously, the penalty and the red card for Buffon has, has dominated things. One newspaper headline called it the robbery of the century. Can you guess where that paper was from? <laughs> Catalonia. It was Catalonia. <laughs> Gigi himself called the referee who gave it, Michael Oliver, un arbitro bidoni di spazzatura al posto del cuore. A man with a, a large municipal rubbish bin <laughs> instead of a heart. Michael Owen apparently said the only consolation is he won't miss the semi final. <laughs> well, oh, good, okay, good on Michael. Good on Michael. <laughs> what 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 do we say? What do we say, James? What what, what do you say? What with regard to Buffon, yeah. I think um, I think his comments shifted uh, the focus away from what was a epic Juventus performance. What, what about the penalty? Afterwards, um, you had Andrea Agnelli, the Juventus president, coming out, um, basically saying that this is why the Champions League needs video assistant referees. Well, if they had video assistant referees. It was probably not a clear and obvious mistake to warrant the video assistant mm. referee to pull Michael, up, Michael Oliver up on the fact that actually you need to come and review this. Yeah. I don't think it would have changed anything. Right. Well, 
we lose more time reviewing video assistant <laughs> reviewing than video assistant reviewing loses time. So we let's not get into that. No, great, but, great kick, by the way, from Ronaldo. No. Oh no, it's fabulous, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Although Chiellini did say afterwards, he was like, uh, Buffon was in such a state of grace during that game. Yeah. He played so well um, that uh, if he had been in goal, who knows? He probably would have saved it, considering how well he was. But again, this was just. I think Juventus afterwards just they really bought into this idea. They really believed that uh, that penalty should never have been given, and they went all in on it. Um, so. Well, Buffon's line seemed to be the story of the game, the emotional narrative of this game, completely ruled out the notion of giving the side that had battled so hard a penalty against them in the 93rd minute. And as you say, it has shifted the narrative, all the fuss and kerfuffle afterwards, but it was an astonishing performance from Juventus, one which they'd not really hinted at previously this season in in the Champions League. No, and they'd said uh, that watching the Roma game uh, the night before... um, gave them belief, it was inspiring, and they thought that they could uh, they could go for it. Allegri had also said that, um, in his opinion, between the first goal and the second goal in the first leg, he thought the team did better than they did in Cardiff, which, to be honest, they couldn't have done worse yeah. <laughs> than they did in Cardiff. Um, but, you know, right from the get-go, um, they caused... A Madrid side that was without Sergio Ramos, although he did appear on the sidelines yeah. later on in the game. And uh, they caused, they caused the more kinds of problems with that uncertainty there at the back. Well, this is the thing. Ramos is, Ramos's absence will, will be a large factor in this, but it was incredible how easy it looked to score goals at the Bernabeu against Real Madrid. You just pop a ball across to Mandzukic and hey presto. Yeah, that wasn't uh, very complicated stuff. Uh, first of all, Allegri, good luck to him because he's managed to get all the pressure off him for the complete mess he made of the first leg. His team could beat 3-0, stupid tactics that didn't work. So he brings back, you know, obviously Matuidi, who A, scores a goal, but as lively as anything during the game. But obviously Mandzukic, who hadn't started the game as well. And you're playing against a little right fullback who actually can't head the ball. And it was a perfect, it was the obvious thing to do. And by the way, um, over on the left, the right-hand side, the cross for the first one, mm-hmm. what's Marcelo doing? Oh, just have that cross, just carry on. So they weren't up for it, they weren't right for it. So that's number one, Allegri's getting away with a lot here because he made a mess of it in the first leg and he shouldn't have been in this position. Can I say one thing about the penalties? Sure. Back to the penalty kick. As a player, I wouldn't have given it as a penalty because I don't think it was. And the reason being is um, the ball ball headed back and who was it? It was the winger guy. Vasquez. 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 He doesn't go for the ball. What he does is he puts his body in the way and takes the hit. Now, I know this because I spent a lifetime doing it, right? So you get in front and it's basically you right away and you stop and someone runs out in the back of you, they hit you, you go down. Morally, I think I've got a penalty kick. I've not dived. I've gone in front and I've stayed, I've static and I've waited for the hit. You've invited the car. Exactly. So you've wait, and you're not even going for the ball. Urge anyone to go and have a look at it again and don't look at anything else. Just look at him, Vasquez. Isn't he's the, not going for the ball? Isn't the bigger issue though the fact that was it Matuidi? Who, I mean, Juve have basically gone to sleep in those final minutes. You can imagine that emotionally they must be exhausted. And is it Matuidi completely fails to pick up Vasquez's run, leaving Benatia to to, to race back and and try and get to the ball? Benatia's positioning as well, I think, is a fault. Mm. So then he's, he rushes back towards Vasquez, and on French television he said after the game, it's not a pen because I go round him. On purpose, because mm. otherwise I know it's a, it's a straight pen. I go round, and then Benazza said, I make contact with the ball with my foot, which I'm not really sure he actually does. Oh, this is what they did on Italian TV. Yeah, but they, they, they said that they, they basically said he got he touched the ball. He got the ball. That's what they were saying. Yeah, and not, then they all applauded. 
uh, like as though as though this this great injustice had been done. I've watched it I, like I don't know a hundred times. I'm not. I'm still not sure it touches the ball, but you could see it touches Vasquez even if he yeah. goes round instead of uh, proper barging but, into him. But in the, his back. the reason why he touches Vasquez because Vasquez hasn't yeah, tried to yeah, attack the box. Yeah. So but he's and he's morally, as you say, one thing, but that's. That's a quite understandable yeah. penalty, and, and 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 very very soft. And I will admit to you just now, and I promise not to spend a lot of time. <laughs> VAR would have been no use whatsoever there, okay. other than for Michael Oliver to say, you know, okay, that's what I was doing. And yet but his comments were extraordinary, though, don't you think? Where he basically accused Pierluigi Colina, um, the designator of UEFA, he decides which referees go to games, in order to make himself look that he's impartial. He's given Italian teams the worst referees available to him. And yeah. Pep Guardiola might have some thoughts well, on that. There's, there's that. Um, and to be honest, there have been some bad decisions that have gone against Italian sides. You think of the Roma game at the Camp Nou yeah. when they had a the couple of penalties. You think of Danny Welbeck's dive. Against yeah. these, these things. You know. But anyway. Yeah, true. Mm. Whoever draws Real Madrid, have they got a bit of a blueprint there? Ramos, we're going to see... What's going to happen? Because there is the potential that because he turned up on the sideline that he might get an extension to his ban if UEFA decide to take action on that. But even if he comes back, Marcelo's form, he looked like a real weak point. Have Juve basically illustrated whoever gets real in the semi-final how you go about beating them, Jules? Yeah, maybe. I, th- I thought I still think that this Real Madrid team plays better with Benzema and it's not it's not me being French and him being French. It's just I think Ronaldo plays better when Benzema is there and the Ronaldo-Bale combination up front like last night, it's pointless. There, there was nothing. I don't think they exchanged the ball, exchanged the pass between Bale and Ronaldo up front. I think it was a terrible mistake from Zidane to start Bale up front in that game, in that formation with Isco as a free player behind. And then I think Cruz and Modric's legs, especially Modric's legs, when you don't have the ball, starts to get a bit tired now. And I think that means that Casemiro can't do everything by himself. And Marcelo has always been better going forward than defending anyway. It's a bit like Dani Alves. So I think there is a bit of a blueprint, especially when Ronaldo is not in a good day and when the ball doesn't get to him. Although they had a few you know, good chances still. Mm-hmm. The game could have been a bit different. Rattle, but, yeah. work and all that kind of thing. It's true. James, as for Juventus, mm. what are they going to look like next year? Barney Kelly says a, a Juventus doomed never to cross the line. Is this the end of the current side, who do they need to turn to in order to win it? And, and Buffon, is he now going to do another year in the Champions League just to kind of get over the, the burning bitterness from, from, from Wednesday? I don't think that would come as a surprise anymore. Um, I think from what they were saying last night, um, a bit like after the round of 16 game against Bayern Munich a couple of years ago, where they went out but played really well, They've drawn kind of ulterior belief from that performance last night and believe that this this team is not finished and that it can still do something. I think it was important for them, even though they've gone out, to do what they did to Real Madrid, given what Madrid had done to them in the first leg, but also in Cardiff last year. Mm. And yeah, they'll they'll add players, but I think that they believe that they're they're heading in 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 the right direction. Will Allegri be there next year? Well, he was asked about this um, yesterday. Um, he said, "Look." I've got to talk to the president. We'll see. I think what he did say is that if he if he does leave, it will only be for a club that mm. can have similar nights like that in the Champions League, which right. would rule out, Chelsea. I would say, Chelsea and Arsenal. Interesting. Okay. Well, it was an amazing game with an excellent ending for Real Madrid fans, less so for probably most neutrals. Mm. Tuesday, different story, and we'll talk about that after this. You're listening to The Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power, the home of the Money Back Special. 
Keep listening to the end of the podcast to find out more. Tuesday night in Rome, the game of this or probably any season ever, Roma-Barcelona, a night that went like this. Parte under echo, il cross. Now, there is a, a Golazzo special out there on your timeline recounting the extraordinary story of how Roma turned around a 4-1 first-leg deficit against Barcelona, of all people. But nice, given the epic, the epochal nature of this particular game, to get Pat and Jules's thoughts. Jules, first of all, Rowengi. Oh, karma is a bitch. I'm telling you right now, I'm, and I'm so glad. Roma did to Barca what Barca did to PSG last year, but without cheating. And the not cheating <laughs> is huge. And I'm going to continue my rant a little bit. You cannot... I thought Barcelona was a disgrace. You cannot go into a game like this, even with a 3 nil lead, with the players you have, albeit the greatest of all time, uh-huh. in Lionel Messi, and refuse to play football the way this Barca team... At least try, if you want to. And maybe Roma were too, too good anyway, and if Barca had tried, they would have still lost. But they even didn't try. See, I think the 4-1, although it felt really un- unjust last week, actually helped Roma because it did mean that Barcelona came in with such a, an attitude of all we have to do is sit there. There's no way they're coming back. Maybe if it had been closer, Barcelona would have come out and attacked but, you know, revenge for PSG, re- revenge for Roma as well, because they, they, they've been pumped by the big boys in the Champions League. We talk about this in Golazzo, but the, the 7-1 at home to Bayern Munich, Barcelona 7-2 on aggregate a couple of years back. And it, this, for me, was a little bit like the bit where the puny kid reacts and takes out the bully with the, with the roundhouse kick to the head. It's like the end of Karate Kid or something like that. Yeah, not just the, uh, a lucky punch either, really. Yeah. Was it? It, was, uh, it was a drubbing. And uh, I think they've looked at this and said, yeah, after everything that's gone on in Italian football over this season, yeah, Italy not going to the World Cup for the first time um, in 60 years, um, what happened in the last 24 hours is a good thing. I mean, Buffon, there was a lot of what he said last night, you know, um, got lost because the main quote was the one that you mentioned about Michael Oliver. But he said, you know, we've kind of got rid of this veneer of mediocrity, really. Mm. Um, And... um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a positive um, that teams other than Juventus are doing doing well in in the Champions League or in the Europa League in Lazio's case this season. Yeah, Pat, phenomenal from Roma, but phenomenally disappointing from from Barcelona from their manager Valverde. How much was it Roma and and, and a monumental performance, and how much was it Barcelona just blowing it? Um, oddly, I mean, both of them have played against Chelsea this season, in yeah. Champions League, and I was at all the games involving those two teams. And I, I will say I was surprised at the result, but not shocked at it as well. Really? Um, no, because after the Chelsea-Barca games, I thought, right, well, Chelsea didn't get beat by Barcelona. There. They got beat by one guy, uh, Lionel Messi. The rest of the team, no, nothing nothing there that I'm thinking, wow, that's really special. Iniesta's not the player he was before. Possibly my favourite ever player, you know, out with the obvious Messi uh, in the last 10, 15, 20 years. But I'm looking at them, I'm thinking, the, the king, is, he, he's no clothes on. Why is no one saying this? And I had this discussion with uh, Jody Morris, remember Jody? And I said, I think, I posed the question, I think their days are gone. I think we're seeing the dying embers. There's a lovely glow in these dying embers, but I think we're seeing the dying embers of this great team. 
And the, the answer was, uh, well, I think you'll find that they're doing quite well in La Liga. So I posed the same question to either, obviously, who's got great interests in Barcelona and his time there. And he said, 100%. They're really close now. It's on the edge. And we've seen that a couple of times. We've seen it in a few games where you've, they've just fallen right off that edge. Mm. And it is the Emperor's new clothes thing. Do you know what? Go and close them down. But they are doing Go. really well in the Liga. They are, exactly. But I just don't think that's going to last too much longer. I, I, really, I mean, they're a good, I'm not saying they're not a good team. They're a very, very good team. But they are not the team they were. Right. And they are very, very close to being a much, much lesser team. The guys that are replacing... Who's going to replace Iniesta? I bet he's not as good as him. You know, and you go all the way through the team, who's going to replace, who's going to replace? And I don't know if any of them mm. are of that standard yet. Right, well, the guy who replaced Mo Salah... It isn't probably as good as Salah, but it was a fantastic performance from Roma, a performance of huge confidence, of huge competence as well, tactically from from Eusebio uh, Di Francesco, who's had his critics this, this year, mm. but now must be the toast of Italy. Yeah, and uh, yesterday returned to the training ground, Trigoria, and there was, I think, a couple of hundred people uh, waiting outside, and uh, yeah, he spent a good five, ten minutes just taking selfies, enjoying the moment. Yeah. Which, uh, well, he hasn't got long to enjoy it because this weekend, Sunday night, what happened? The derby, yeah, against Lazio. Are they, is it tight, Pat? Is it tight for their Champions League place for next year? Yes, it is. <laughs> Lazio are third, Roma are fourth. How many points are between them? None points. Well, Nil def- point, as you say, George Well, Jake will have as much of an effect in that game because the big thing, you play against certain teams like Barcelona, it's really good to have an Ed and Jekyll. You know, mm-hmm. he's exactly the type of player they don't want up against them. So, you know, maybe Lazio are more ready for Dzeko. Mm. We'll see. You know what's sad about Barcelona, though, is they have the, the biggest DNA in, in football. You know, uh-huh. that the way they've been playing for forever. And I think Valverde, he's just ruining that. By but is he ruining it? Who, who's really? coming? Th- who's coming through? We've, we've had this conversation. <laughs> they're not playing the Barca way. Yeah, I'm but, sorry, but, but, this well, is the, not true. Yeah, I agree. But, right, right, but why? And and that's why I'm I'm very wary of having a go at managers because when Pep was there and others were there, they looked on that pitch and they've got Javi, his best, Iniesta, his best, Messi, his best, and and all the way through the team, and a lot of them coming through the Barca system. Okay, and as we all know, who's come through the Barca system the last ten years mm. of that caliber? Nobody, absolutely well, nobody. It's pretty phenomenal so it's to get that series of plays. I, I guess it could never go on for yeah. forever. But just as a kind of final point on this, you you saw the game, Pat. I imagine. Mm-hmm. Have you enjoyed a, a match as much as this that you can remember of late? Um, to be fair, I've I've been seeing a lot of great matches recently. But um, this was Champions League though. ones have been fantastic as well. Yeah, and oddly enough. For different reasons, I love them for different reasons, you know. And uh, funnily enough, oh God, you're going to hate me, Julian. Sorry, <laughs> uh, but the PSG Real Madrid game um, until the first kickoff was one of the most enjoyable games I'd seen because the atmosphere was so, so fantastic. Right. And part of it is the atmosphere. And I'll go back to the game last week when the overhead kick with Ronaldo. Yeah, you know that was a phenomenal game in its own way as well. Seems like a month ago now, doesn't it? Just one last thing on mm-hmm. James Palota, the the Roma owner. You know, ending his night in the fountain del popolo, yeah. being like, fined five hundred euros because you're not allowed to jump in the fountain, and then giving out two hundred thirty grand to to restore the the, the one in the, the his Anita Ekberg moment. You know, yeah, and you know, nice. and maybe yeah. for him who's been a bit. I don't think all Roma fans are huge fans of, of Palota for many reasons. Now. I think, you know, for him, it could be a crucial turning point as well in, yeah. his, in his career of owning the club. Well, that and the battle for the new stadium, which they had big meetings about during the week. And uh, 
Fingers but, crossed. Fingers yeah. crossed. It is transformational. I mean, a lot of people were saying yesterday that you know, Roma, they've got a wonderful shirt, a shirt that is unblemished by a shirt sponsor. Mm. It's like, how has this club not had a shirt sponsor so long? They'll have people queuing up to, to sponsor that shirt now. Wow. And uh, they're about to make, what, 80 million from the Champions League, considering that um, Juve got knocked out last night as well. So, yeah, that'll help them keep their best players and, and, uh, and go further. So. All right. Okay. Well, they're in the semi-finals along with Real Madrid, Bayern and Liverpool, who, again, back in the midst of time, beat Man City on Tuesday night. We'll, we'll touch on that game after this. Right, so Tuesday's two comeback attempts, the one that we thought might have a chance of turning around a three-goal deficit didn't, and the one we thought had no chance did. But what happened then to to City... Matt Critchie with the stat here. Man City, far and away the best team in England this year, have won one home game in the last two months. Two months. Wow. What can we say about the performance of the Etihad? Was it a formality after what had happened at Anfield? Or could that second goal, had it been awarded by Lahoz, is it? the Yes. Lahoz. Winky man. Winky man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, could, could that have, you know... <laughs> Jules, go on. No. Um... I think there's a pattern in Pep teams slowing down the rhythm at this time of the season. We saw it with Bayern before a lot. I think you get tired. I think, and Kevin De Bruyne has all the rights to be tired after playing like 150 something games this season, for example. Same with David Silva. So I think tiredness for Pep teams maybe explained that they're not as flamboyant maybe and successful as they were earlier in the season. For me, and again, it's not that I'm not ranting just against managers today, but. I, I, I just don't understand the, the, the kamikaze, crazy lineup that Pep put out from kickoff. But it worked. They immediately got a goal lead and they, they should, arguably, have had two goals by half. They're out. It didn't work. And it was always wobbly. And But look at Allegri. Allegri uh-huh. didn't do something crazy and almost pull out a better comeback than, than what Pep would have done. Mm. Di Francesco, the same. I don't think there was need for him to go with five forwards straight away. He could have done that after an hour maybe or a time, and at least make sure that, at the, you know, that, that, that he looked to me always unbalanced. He was always on the edge and it was only a matter of time for me watching, even if they dominated that first half, it was a matter of time for them to consider goal because it was just, it was just too attacking. It was just too crazy going forwards. They were still in the lead not as much as they should have been, perhaps, Ooh. at half-time. Is there a worrying question here about Guardiola's half-time team talks? Because it's a series of games we've seen now where the other team has emerged just that much better after the interval. I think it's Julian's comment about the tiredness, and mm. I think that's definitely the case. Um, I think you know some of these... OK, they're playing against Liverpool, who are another team from the Premier League, but certainly some of the players don't seem to be able to cope with it to that level for the entirety of the season. You see... The, and also the style of play they play as well. It is kind of high tempo. A couple of things that disappointed me about Manchester City on the night. Um, listen to the commentary. Everyone was telling me how good Sani was. I'd have whipped him off after about half an hour. I'd have got him off that park because his attitude off the ball was a disgrace. Oh, really? An absolute disgrace. I was really angry what with him. What was he doing, Pat? Walking, not turning away, shrugging his shoulders, throwing his hands up when he didn't get the ball. All the things you don't do when you're trying to do something extra special, you know, everybody fighting and battling for it. Again, if you don't believe it, go and have a look back at it. Mm-hmm. It was really upsetting because he's a fabulous player and nobody else was doing it in the team. It was, you need everybody fighting for that. But... I think your point about that goal that should have stood, let's not say the, the three letters again, 
but it should have stood. <laughs> um, and had that stood, we we don't know. We don't know, but I have a suspicion they wouldn't have done it purely yeah, right. because start of the second half, gas had gone. Jurgen had got his players up for it. Their tempo was higher. They're playing slightly higher up the pitch, and City just did not have the vitality to be able to play against that so I don't think it would have made a difference in the end if I'm going to be honest Well I mean they've gone in front in their last two games the Manchester derby and this one and they haven't been able to make it stick Mm. and uh, I thought again as in the first leg even though he played Sterling from the start in this one they looked one dimensional again in the first half it was always just isolate Sane against against the right back Uh, I think at the start of the second half he tried to change that by basically saying okay Carl Walker you go and play further up the pitch so we can get more width on the right-hand side. Fernandinho, you come short, play between the two centre-backs. And that meant David Silva had to come shorter as well and they ended up not being anywhere near as fluid as they were in terms of their passing game. And uh, I think it contributed to Mohamed Salah's goal as well. Let's talk about Salah's goal. Let's talk about Liverpool because they actually won this one, Mm. 2-1. Salah, nothing is surprising at this point of the season, but... Brilliant goal, though, Jules. Amazing. I mean, the guy is just so cool. Even in his interview after the game, he couldn't... He was just there. I mean, he was with Milner and the guy from BT. He was looking around. <laughs> he was just looking around. Answered a couple of questions. The guy said, great achievement. And he was, yeah, I love that song. Because was the, the Liverpool fans still in the stadium were singing the Mo Salah song. Oh, yeah. It was just, the guy is the coolest dude on earth. It's incredible. And the finish that he had at such a key moment to just chip it like this. Like, oh, look what I can do. Up. Here we go. I just Take me through the goalie. He nutmegs. Does he not nutmeg? Mane nutmegs. He n- Mane, yeah. yeah. Okay, so but he nutmegs. Then it comes back off the keeper. Yeah. yeah. But even when he's in, in on the periphery of things, so when he doesn't make things happen, he's uh-huh. just so clever. Or maybe because everything is going his way this season, he gets a bit lucky to be on the right place at the right time to get where the rebound is, for example, in that case, and get the ball and then finish it. But I just think that his intelligence, which is, I think very often underestimate in football players, but his intelligence on and off the ball is just magnificent. Mm. Pat, if you were managing a Champions League team, which one of these sides would you not want in the semi-finals then? Roma, it's, Liverpool, it's, Bayern, or... Well, actually... Do you know what? I love... You started this whole discussion by saying nobody knows anything. <laughs> right. I had no concept that Liverpool would get this far. I absolutely no concept of it at all. And then you go and sell one of your best players, Coutinho... And you're thinking, yeah, well, you've thrown that one up. You have no chance now. How are you going to get through a Premier League season to stay in the top four and get through the Champions League? And you hit Manchester City on the way, by the way, and you hammer them 5-1. All bets are off with uh, Liverpool just now. They're just so fabulous. They're the name you wouldn't want drawn out of that. I don't don't think you want to play against them. All the teams, Bayern, obviously, because they're just going to efficiently go all the way through. But they've Um, had the easiest draw to get this far. We haven't really seen how good they are. I think... uh, if Ramos is suspended for the, for the semi-finals won't be. and Liverpool play against them, they've got a chance because yeah. I don't think that Real Madrid defence without him uh, is is up to much. You look at Bayern's defence as well in Hummels and, and Boateng. Great players, but they're slow. And I think up against what the pace of Salah and Mane, I think that would be a problem. So they've got they've got a great it's, chance. It's after after Real... I'm sure some of you were at the game, the, the Real Madrid game at uh, against Spurs at Wembley this season, and Spurs were absolutely trashing them, and it should have been five six, mm. and they looked so old in comparison. 
and the tempo they played it and the intelligence of the way that the uh, Spurs played. Liverpool can do that. Yeah, they can do. Exactly Real at that point of the season, though, often have those kind of performances, and this is the kind of point of the year when destiny seems the, the destiny gene kind of kicks in. Talking about right. destiny, mm-hmm. the last time the four big leagues had each one club in the last four oh, yeah. of the Champions League in 1981. Real Madrid, Bayern and Liverpool were, were in, in that final four uh-huh. and Liverpool beat Bayern Munich in the semi-final and Real Madrid in the final at the Parc des Princes to win the, the European Cup at the, at the time. Right. Spooky jewels. Was City then, who are going to be facing Spurs away this weekend, quick note, statistically, the Pemp's record in Europe since winning the, Bar- uh, the Champions League with Barcelona in 2009, 30 knockout games. Do you know how many wins? 13. Really? 13. That's shocking. Now, George, you were talking about the way that he wears the team out, but I guess the tactical choices that he seems to come up with, the bigger the game, the more he wishes to mess around with things. Is that fair? Is, is there an issue there? I think uh, the away games that they play in the Champions League have been a big problem. I won't be surprised if you look at the those defeats, the 13 one, I think a lot of them would be uh, away from home. And I think... Uh, he has complicated things. I think you do. You have to look at them on a case-by-case basis. But I remember that Real Madrid one. Mm. Bayern, I think the players came to him and said, we believe we can do this our way. We can beat them this way. And he went, okay, fine. Let's go with that. And they got hammered. And the game was, and the, and the tie was beyond them. So I, I don't think it's it's always on Pep. But right. No. I think he overthinks it very, very often. He tried to to be too smart and too okay this is why again I'm, I'm, I might be wrong but that, that line of Sané Silva Jesus Sterling and Bernardo Silva for me was nonsense I don't understand how you can start a game like this even with a three goal deficit but, but managers always tell it's not by throwing strikers on the pitch that you're going to score more goals yeah, although it's, that they're, they're silly not, uh, they're not strikers though, are they? no, no, but forwards players, even yeah. forwards because you also take space away from each other it's the closeness of some of these things I mean, I've been thinking a lot of these games that we've been talking about well the managers make these great differences in actual fact the smaller differences and you think had they got that second goal before half time what a difference and you can look at a lot of these games they mm. are changing in little moments Yeah, and even though they sometimes end with a big score, they absolutely change. I'd, Pep's not been that far off. Had he got um, uh, Mares, uh, and you know that might have made a difference to his season. He was trying or to Alexis get him. Sanchez. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Anyway, uh, so Saturday uh, they're going to be at Wembley taking on Spurs. It's <clears throat> nice that the authorities have taken on, on board the concerns about late afternoon kickoffs <laughs> and how visiting fans. So they've moved the kickoff to seven forty-five. Yeah. 7.45, Spurs will be taking on City. Of course, City will not have Fernandinho, who's now picked up that suspension in the, the Premier League. Pretty key player, you'd think. A pretty hard player for Pep to, to find a replacement for in, in that squad. Are they heading for their full straight defeat? I, I don't think too many people are going to argue that that's not quite likely. I think it is fairly likely, the way they're playing just now, the tiredness. The part of me that thinks if I'm Pep Guardiola, forget about records, forget about anything like that, get the league one. Now, to place probably isn't to do it, is it Spurs? If you go and leave all your players exhausted after that, there's easier games coming after that where you can wrap this thing up. Mm. Um, It doesn't matter in the end. Long term, we talk about it and we worry about it and think, oh, this run of losses, etc., run of bad games... You look back in the history books in the end, they'll have won the league and you right. shrug your shoulders and say, yeah, they won the league, well done. OK. You know who else is worried about the history books? Harry Kane. <laughs> Harry <laughs> Kane is. 
He's been given that goal against Stoke, uh, courtesy of the Premier League's goal accreditation appeals panel. Mm. Pat, have you ever had a to do? Have you ever come across the goal accreditation appeals panel? No, I didn't have a, pa- a panel when I was playing, but it certainly happened to me just off the top of my head a couple of times. The first goal I ever scored as a professional, uh, I didn't touch it, but I had to claim it. And why? I had to. Right, the reason why I had to is because. <laughs> It was a long throw in, and uh-huh. I swiped at it and missed it, ah. and it bounced straight in. And if I hadn't touched it, the it goal would have been, been disallowed. Goal. So I had right. to. And another one, I remember playing this. This could not happen now, right? It shows you how things the have cane, changed. Do you realise though that you just admitted that, and the, the cane precedent means that that could now be taken from you? Yeah, retrospectively. Absolutely. Can yeah. I have? I'm, go- care about the I'm going to grab one back now. Then, and that, if that's the case, <laughs> you remember playing for Chelsea against? Uh, I think it was Leeds at the end of the season, five 0 and right at the end. I scored a goal. But because the entire pitch was ringed, and I mean the pitch, was ringed with fans who were just about to run on because we'd sort of won the league to get promotion, nobody could see it and nobody in the press box could see who scored the goal. So they guessed and they gave it to Paul Carnival and it wasn't, it was me. And did so he not say anything? We were too busy celebrating winning the league, you know, right. so we didn't care. Like, And so what, you know? And for all those years, I thought, fair enough. Well, it's evened itself out now. So if I'm losing that one, I want that one back. <laughs> it kind of, to some people, it does matter. You know, and if you're going for records, it does matter. To be honest, I'll tell you one thing. I believe Harry. You I do? absolutely believe Well, yeah, because he said on his daughter's life, so... Well, he, he ran, as he ran away from it, he, it was this kind of movement of his shoulders, as if to say, it touched me. You know, it's a... It's not touched his head. It's definitely right. not touched his head. But oddly enough, I just don't think he's the type, which is unusual because most centre-forwards are the type to lie Surely through their teeth. proves that he is the type. <laughs> yeah, that's very Ronaldo-esque, isn't it? That's what those goal Cristiano would have done. On, the, on that Spurs, on those Danny yeah. Levy contracts. An extra 100k if he scored <laughs> over 25 goals. So. I'm not as cynical about Harry, I have to say. I'm a, All right. I don't think he's that type. OK, well, anyway, so that's taking place on Saturday evening. Another step for City towards the title. Spurs, meanwhile, in the race for third place behind Man United. They're level on points currently with Liverpool. They do have a game in hand on Jurgen Klopp's side. Liverpool, before that match, actually at the 5.30 kickoff time, will be hosting Bournemouth, who lost 4-0 in the reverse fixture down on the south coast earlier this season. Did you know, Jules, you might do, there's been a goal in the 89th minute or later in each of Bournemouth's past seven Premier League games. They, it's extraordinary. And often from them as well, they, they yeah. come back kings. I think mm-hmm. they've won more points from uh, being behind than anyone else, which shows great character from Mehdi Howe and the, the players. And also his substitutions, his coaching has been very good. Usually it's often the, the, the subs who've come on late in the game who then scored or assisted the goal late for Bournemouth. Yeah, very nice. All right, well, there's more Premier League on the way, but right now, this... Listeners, you know there's more to football than losing three games in a week, getting sent to the stands at halftime or going through improbably on away goals. Yes, football's fundamentally a simple game, but you can't truly understand football without understanding the modern world. And you can't understand the modern world without understanding its most popular sport. Game of Our Lives is a new podcast series hosted by the football historian David Goldblatt. It tackles themes like human nature, globalisation and geopolitics through the prism of the beautiful game. This week, Goldblatt heads to Liverpool to explore the relationship in the city between football and politics and assesses the tensions between the money sloshing around the Premier League and the ordinary fans who are increasingly being priced out of the game they love. Football's a global game now and with that comes vast riches. 
how do we make it affordable, but also how do we make it fair? If you want to learn more about why football matters, make sure you listen to Game of Our Lives on Apple Podcasts and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. The Game of Our Lives podcast with David Goldblatt. Subscribe now. There are those who say keep football out of politics or keep politics out of football. Not David Goldblatt. Should be a fascinating listen. Now, Rafa on Monday was saying that all Premier League games are meaningless now. Oh, yeah? Well, he, to be fair, he did Even say top half of the table. No, no, he did say top half of the table. Okay. But you could see from his face that he thought the whole thing, the whole exercise was pointless. <laughs> he might be right. West Brom, 10 points from safety. Stoke, four points from safety. Saints, three points from safety. Let's see what interest, what drama we can rustle up from these, these fixtures this weekend. You've got Stoke... They're at West Ham. They've got an absolutely awful away record. They need, I think, seven points from their last five games to stay up. They've had one win in their last 11 under Paul Lambert. Jules, you're a big Paul Lambert fan. Oh, yeah. I love Paul. Paul Lambert. Paul Lambert, yeah. He must be French somewhere. Ah. Uh, He's just going to go back to the championship where he belongs. (laughs) Taking Stoke with him? Yeah. Okay. West Ham... Uh, they won 3-0 against Stoke at the Bet365 with Marco Arnautovic scoring his renaissance pat. Did you see this coming? Um, I didn't see it come, but it was there when it started um, okay. the other week there um, against Southampton. Uh, he was absolutely fantastic. Uh, and then from there were moments in the game against Chelsea where Arnautovic played uh, well as, as well. By the way, I'm not agreeing with Rafa here, this concept that the, the whole thing's dead and buried. But I don't think he said that about the bottom. If you're... Um, the likes of Southampton, uh-huh. you're, you're actually four points off safety, but you've got a game in hand, yeah. and you're beginning to get a little bit of momentum. They're not getting the go- they're not getting the wins yet, but it only needs two or three wins. Most of the teams are out of it. Bournemouth, as you say, are out of it. Watford are safe, yeah. But it's, there's still some interest there, and you look at Bournemouth. It's a real shame for people around Liverpool and Bournemouth would have been an interesting game, but Bournemouth are safe now. Yeah. So Liverpool are going to be fine in that game. Saints, you mentioned there, with a game in hand, and they're hosting Chelsea this weekend. They've only won one game in their last five. Well, I'm, I'm going to be at that game. OK. But just the way my life is organised, which is badly, uh, I'm doing Southampton on Saturday and Newcastle on Sunday. That's right. just well, the way no, my life is organised. Yeah, the travelling's going to be no, really interesting. Of you time on the train as well. I'm or plane, even. Reading. Reading. Reading, yeah, okay. reading time. But... I mean, do you know what is maybe the interesting thing about all last week's results? I don't know if you noticed it. There wasn't more than a goal between the teams in any of the games last week. Really? So you know, either nil nils, one one ones, three twos, whatever. There was no more than a goal between. Huh. So at the moment, the teams that bought them are battling. They are absolutely battling. They're fighting. They're maybe not getting the results. West Ham did, whereas you know Southampton uh, didn't. Southampton didn't. But mm. they're battling now. You can see it now. David Moyes, a, a, a top friend of yours. Mm-hmm. He's um, just talking about Arnautovic, who's possibly the best example of the impact that Moises had on that team. Under Bilic, who signed Arnautovic for £24 million, zero goals and zero assists. Under David Moyes, he's scored nine and set up another three. But he's also played them up front as well right. uh, a lot of the time. So he's he's moved them and he's getting sort of more crosses in from more interesting areas. So they've, he's getting more out of those creative players behind them, whereas Arnautovic was considered the, the initial creative player. Actually, he's the one getting on the end of it at the moment. So that's made a big difference to him as well. And he mm. is the central player to it all. He's not getting everything at him because it's quite a few times you look at him and he's, he's waltzing about as well. But to be fair, he's definitely improved. And he needs to play against managers who have uh, annoyed him 
<laughs> it seems to have a good effect. <laughs> well, he scored against Stoke in the reverse fixture, didn't he? Did, he? Didn't he? Came back to haunt them. So yeah, um, that much heralded Champions League winner. DNA kind of splicing of Champions League winners at the Bet365 operation experiment they were doing with all those Barcelona players and stuff, mm. Lafalay, Mounier, etc. coming in. Bojan. Bojan. That's, that's all. They've all gone now. All yeah. gone. By the way, so if Southampton are still in with a shout of climbing out of trouble, the team that is most at risk of falling into it is, of course, Crystal Palace, three points above Southampton at the moment. Oh, my word. Here's a game that I think matters in anybody's book. They're taking on Brighton, bitter arch rival since the dawn of the beautiful game. Yeah, seagulls against eagles. Right. <laughs> Should be a mismatch, uh, but it's not. And imagine if, uh, well, Palace could uh, pull uh, Brighton into the relegation right. battle, but imagine if Brighton could maybe help relegate Palace. That would Ooh. be the sweetest thing. Yeah. With, this is the point of the year when a lot of neutrals go, oh, yeah, what was it again? What was the reason that they don't like each other? Apparently, one of the reasons is that one team feels the other nicked their song. So the Eagle and Seagull songs, they feel there's been a, a borrowing, an unlicensed borrowing. I can't remember which way around it is, James. I'm so sorry. <laughs> me neither, sorry. Trust me, they'll get in touch with you on social media and let you know. Probably. So. I think Huddersfield had more trouble huh? than Crystal Palace, actually. Well, Huddersfield currently uh, four points mm. above the but drop. But with a game, with a game more played than ah, Southampton. Jules, that's very interesting. Huddersfield are going to be hosting Watford on Saturday. Who have thrown all sorts of towels in, in the last <laughs> week. <laughs> they just don't want the season to end. They, they've got bath towels and everything coming from everywhere <laughs> at the moment. Watford, which is a shame because they've done enough and they're safe. But you know, it's it's a shame that because they're a capable team. Yeah. All right. Well, the the other games this weekend in the Premier League. You've also got Swansea, who are. Same points uh, above the droppers as Huddersfield. They're hosting Everton, who are a less than remarkable side at present. They've only won one of their last five, so I'm not sure if that's Carvalhial picking his fixtures or whether the, the, the new manager bounce is wearing off uh, there in uh, South Wales. The uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson, Alf Ashley Williams derby here. Ah, you know? nice. Can, my, my concern would be is that I think Swansea had a fabulous, fabulous run and they're still not out of it. And right. I've said it for quite a few weeks now. They had an amazing run for the team that they are. They're not out of this. They but they, they are four points clear of the drop. At the moment, yes. Yeah. I grant you that. But you need, I don't think 32 is going to be quite enough. I think they maybe need a couple, or maybe 34, 35 is going to have to be enough. So, you know, it's all very well to see you can get these points, but picking up points is incredibly hard for them. Having said that, Tammy Abram got them a point last week with that's a very true. good header. Mm. Yeah, and they West have Brom. won their last four games at the Liberty. So. Well, that's good then. That's good. Three other games this weekend. Burnley taking on Leicester. And then the Newcastle Arsenal that you mentioned, Pat, which is rich in history, or at least 90 minutes of history, what, seven years ago when there was the most <laughs> extraordinary comeback. But it was. I mean, it was oh, an extraordinary game. Finished off by the much-missed Czech Teoti, who yeah. you know, sadly died last last June. But Arsenal 4-0 up with 20 minutes to play, contriving to draw 4-4. You remember that day? I remember. Charles. I was there. And, of course, this was all masterminded by Alan Pardew, who yeah, you know, sadly won't friend. be with them on, yes. on, on the weekend. <laughs> Do you know, uh, two stats about Newcastle. One, points taken by Premier League sides in the last 10 matches. They are fifth for points taken by Spurs, United City and Liverpool. Uh, here's another one. They've got 38 points so far. 37 of them have come when Jamal Lachelles is uh, in the team. Without him, in seven matches, only one. Ooh. Oh, 
something there. By the way, the recent one, I've been to a couple of games recently, but when you go to Newcastle at the moment, apart from the fact that the atmosphere is brilliant just now, but it's the central midfield. It's the central midfield's absolutely controlling other teams. And it started with the game against Manchester United. Mm. Uh, Man United were bad that day, but you had Diame in the midfield alongside John Joe Shelfie. And they utterly dominated United and they've continued to do that with teams since then I don't worry about Diami he's fine he'll do that job all day long but John Joe Shelby is the problem because when he's good he's world class and when he's not this is a guy who can not only be posted missing but he can be a liability to the team but all those liabilities have fallen by the wayside so for all the good things that Rafa's done I think getting the best out of John Joe Shelby at the moment is absolute core to it Alright Have you seen Newcastle Handing Arsenal their bottoms? Um, I think it'll be pretty tight. I yeah. really do. And I, I do think there'll be goals in this one. I think it'll be much more open. And the fact that you know Newcastle have got those 38 points now, I think the pressure's absolutely off. So I think it'll be a pretty open game. All right, I, nice. think, I think for a club of Arsenal's resources, their array record is atrocious. How season. bad is it, James? Well, they've lost, what, four straight on the road? And it's it's yeah it only ranks as 12th in the league over the entire season. 12th in the league and Wenger will rotate again because you expect the strongest 11 to play in the Europa League Thursday yeah. and like he did against mm-hmm. Southampton and against Stoke before the, so the ones who haven't played in the Europa League will surely but they, play but they want to win this game well, the, the yeah, three like, points behind Chelsea but they wanted they to win against Southampton as well and coming for them. Stoke so it's, yeah. the way it's rotated imagine thinking there was nothing to play for on the top half of the yeah. table yeah imagine alright uh, the other match this weekend is Man United against West Brom which will be an interesting test of how Darren Moore's new new direction is, is going. Five five in Fergie's last game. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that that would be great. That would be nice. Yeah. Uh, there was a question among the interesting things that Rafa said on Monday, and he's always interesting. Yeah. Is our friend Mister Honigstein? He said Pogba is not a midfielder, yeah. and the first manager to realise that will have tremendous success with him. Uh, is Jules? he a goalkeeper? Or <laughs> of course, Paul Pogba is a midfielder. He's not a defensive midfielder. Uh-huh. I think everyone can see that. He, he says it himself he doesn't really like defending anyway. But he's a midfielder. Whether you play him a bit higher, just behind a striker or in a three, and that has been the debate all season. But someone of you know his his physicality with his technical skills can potentially be the best midfielder in the world. And I think his ambition is to be the perfect midfielder, which I think sometimes put a lot of pressure on him from other people because he says he wants to become that perfect midfielder who can basically do everything. Defend, attack, score, assist, tackle, head the ball, everything. Um, Which, for me, hasn't been useful to him saying it because then people expect him to be like that, so to be a bit of a Busquets, a bit of a Lampard, a bit of a, you know, all those great midfielders in their own position and their own skill sets, for him to have all of that is going to be very, very hard. He might, he might never achieve it, but at least that's, that's the ambition. But I think he, obviously, is a midfielder and could be one day the best in the world. All right, we'll wait to get Rafa back in for the next exciting... <laughs> By the way, West Brom, are they the first ever club in England to, in the same season, sack their chairman, their CEO... The manager, twice by the way, and also the technical director, like they've just did today by sacking Nicky Hammond, oh, who did they? was Alan Pardew's best friend, hence why he's made stay and for so long. But for the same club to sack all those people is pretty remarkable, I think. Tell you what, if I was season. a tea lady, I'd be worried just now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got everybody else out. Uh, yeah. Okay. Interesting, Jules. There you go. That's your Premier League weekend. 
Hang about, because we've got, we've got dramatic potentially news on the way from the continent, everywhere from uh, oh, Paris to Panathinaikos, uh, stopping on the way via Portugal and all kind of other continental points. Uh, but first, this. Listeners, starting up the Totally Football Show was a hairy business. Fortunately, Cornerstone have been with us every step of the way. Why? Because they're in the business of making hairy things smooth, like your face. Cornerstone's award-winning blades will give you the smoothest shave possible, and their range of balms, creams and exfoliators are all environmentally friendly, alcohol-free and suitable for the most sensitive skin. Head to cornerstone.co.uk slash totally to see the range for yourself, get £10 off your first order and have it delivered right to your door, and you'll find out why tens of thousands of men have switched over to Cornerstone. Hey everybody, Fulham have moved up to second place in the Championship after they beat Reading this week. Cardiff lost to Aston Villa, that incredible Greedish goal. Did you see that? Yeah, but have you seen Ruben Neves' goal? I have seen Ruben Neves' goal and lots of our listeners have too. Here is Sam, says, is that one of the best goals this season in any league? Should Neves be going to the World Cup with Portugal? Nicol Lau says, that Neves goal, I've never known a 21-year-old to control a game so well. He's only going to get better. This is in... Wolves' 2-0 win over Derby. And it means that Wolves will actually seal promotion if they beat Birmingham at home in the Derby this Sunday lunchtime. Winning the league in a Derby is... is, is it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, or it could be before, depending on what, what Fulham do against Brentford. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's all very exciting then, isn't it? Ruben Neves? I've got nothing against Wolves, but he should never be playing in the Championship. You know, at this, he's just too good. I think he's too good. He's, he's been the best player by far in that league this season. Where's he good for be? well, good for Wolves to have him, uh-huh. and I hope they can keep him in the Premier League because that's where he belongs. But he was always the biggest talent in his generation in Portugal. Somehow, the last eighteen months, Porto before joining Wolves didn't really work out for him with injuries and everything. But he's an incredible talent, and that goal. On Wednesday night, the f- I don't know if Pat, if you've seen, seen it. it. Yeah, I have seen. But the first touch is 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 a is a bad touch really because he goes behind him and then uh-huh. he has to volley almost from behind and he goes in that top corner. It's incredible. It might have been one of uh, Pogba's from a couple of years back in, uh, for for Juventus actually, where he, again the, the first yeah, touch is the ball yeah. looping up and then he yeah. yeah. Uh, you a fan? Pat? No, I, absolutely. But I'm not against him spending a year. Uh, in the championship, I think that's a good thing. Okay. Because uh, if he's going to going probably move to the Premier League, another Premier League team, because obviously they'll probably be a Premier League team as well. But if he does, you know, he's had that year getting used to certain things about the English game, and, and there are certain things that, for whatever you say, it is different, and it yeah. is hard for some people to, you know, be able to adapt to it that quickly. And they, they sometimes have three or four or five good games, and then they struggle. But if you've had a year in the championship, there's a couple of things particularly the number of games and certain types of tempo of games and expecting to play with injury and all that sort of thing, you need to get used to He's had that. He's almost got that free. Any word yet on where he's likely to go or do you think Wolves can hang on to him for a season? Never say never. Um, Look, (laughs) that club, that club is... Are we capable of cutting things? (laughs) (laughs) You should never come back on this show. That club has a very wealthy backer. (laughs) Very inf- influential uh, consultant who I think is, is, is responsible for recommending him to Wolves and him going agent. to Wolves and the manager who basically is, is getting these performances out of him. 
as well. Nuno is is one of his clients. Yeah. That team is is built to get into the Premier League and stay in the Premier League and keep players like that, I think. Okay. Um, and yeah, let's not forget that in January they wanted to sign Andre Silva for 38 million from AC Milan, um, part of the same stable um, there. And I wouldn't be surprised if that were to re-emerge as a possibility in the summer. So I think I think they'll probably look at it and, and, and Neves will stay along with their other Portuguese talents in, in that in that team. Brilliant. Okay. Uh, now on the subject of the football league, League One. We're going to back on top after their 4-1 win over Rochdale. Who scored the Latics' fourth goal? That's right, it was Will yes. Grigg with his 17th of the season. And if you want to look Scorchio Will Grigg style, then you want to be with us on Facebook on uh, Friday at 12.30 BST for the Totally Football Quiz, Jules. Yeah. Because we're going to be giving away a Northern Ireland away shirt, number nine, Grigg number nine shirt, courtesy of our friends classicfootballshirts.co.uk we'll be asking five questions that's one of the prizes other things that are up for grabs are the latest copy of Mundial magazine uh, prints from the lovely people at Art of Football a signed copy of Rafa's Bring the Noise and a PlayStation goodie bag from Yellow Bulldog that's nice then now I know you listeners have all stayed with us because you're itching to hear the top news from around the continent so let's sort that out. Right after I ask Pat, we David Priest was in on Monday and he said that his most cherished memories, the best times of his football career, were relaxing with his fellow professionals in a slightly tepid and murky bath post-training. <laughs> Pat, do you have... What they would do, and listeners will excuse me explaining this to Pat, what they would do is clean up the bathrooms, then all get in a nice hot one with a plate of sandwiches and a pot of coffee. Do you have any bubbly-related stories? That... To, to be fair, yeah. the, the the best ones are those were because they used to have a team bath that was think I mean, it's unthinkable now. It's utterly unthinkable now. But so afterwards, everybody jumped in because there was only one bath there and there weren't any showers. But the only times when they were in, in any way memorable was when you won something and it was an excuse to throw either the manager or the chairman in the bath right. with his gear on. And the joy of doing that to Ken Bates once was just <laughs> fabulous. And I know it's just banter, Ken, just banter. How did he get in it? there? Um, superficially quite well, but um, I noticed that what we got for winning the league that year was uh, a lesser of a bonus than we expected. Right. Can when you guess you, what we get? We got for winning the league to what, get promotion. What you would expect from Ken Bates yeah, would wouldn't be much in the first place. So <laughs> what special bonus? <laughs> oh, what did you get? A pen. For I'm sorry, say a that again. Pen for for winning promotion <laughs> really? to the to the Premier League as it well. To, to the first division. division. Yeah, it's a, you got a pen. Got a pen. What pen. one to share between the team? Or? That one each. No, he, he, don't you dare say that about him. He's a generous <laughs> chap. <Is it> a biro. <laughs> it's a fake gold pen. <laughs> You're kidding. Still got it, which is good. Uh, anyway, there you go. So that's why he gets thrown into the bath. There's some, that, sadly, my good memories of baths are throwing people in them. Yeah. All right. When Italy won the World Cup in 2006, mm -hmm. Totti thought it would be uh, a funny thing to do to put the massage bed in the bath because um, he'd been taken off. And uh, so at the end of the penalty shootout, he knew that one of the what, players... Fill would, the bath up or not? Well, no, the bath was already full. He put the massage table in there. Uh, he, but that's he, dangerous. Exactly. So Alessandro Del Piero comes in, running, celebrating, dives straight into the bath, 
and hits, uh, and, and smashes into Good, the masseuse table. I saw the, the Italian dessert table. anywhere. I hope they and all heard themselves. Totti thought it was hilarious, and it was the only the adrenaline of right. you know, obviously winning the World Cup and that sort of thing, which um, I think stopped El Piero oh, oh. <laughs> uh, having a go at one of his admittedly best mates in the game. But yeah, there was a similar story happened in Scotland um, a while back. There was a guy called John Lambie who sadly died this week. Um, he's a manager up at had this on a number of other clubs etc but you know his players are a mad bunch as they were at the time through him I think it was actually into the sea in this occasion and uh, but it punctured his lung and he for the rest of his life he had problems with it how because did it puncture did he, he must land have landed on something? on something you know so you know you have a little giggle and laugh about that at the time and it didn't matter how many times we tried to throw Ken in we just couldn't puncture anything yeah. <laughs> not even not his eagle particularly sorry that sounds if I didn't like Ken Ken was good he's fine okay now, how about that Euro roundup then? First of all, Greek news. As we know, Pauk's pistol-toting president has been banned, but all sorts of other confusion. Basically, nobody's got any money. This is perhaps not a huge surprise. Panathinaikos have been given a three-point penalty for failing to pay off their debts to former German defender Jens Wemmer. And the squad have, has now gone on strike over unpaid wa- wages. Olympiakos, who've been champions for the last seven seasons, but currently lying third, their players have been fined €400,000 and ordered to go on a holiday by the club president because of their poor results. That club president, by the way, a certain Evangelos Marinakis, who also owns Nottingham Forest. They all for sale, the players are. Are they? Because, yeah. All right. <laughs> That's Greece. More Euro news. Mentioned on Monday, a huge game coming up in Portugal. Titus title race around there is only one point between Benfica and Porto Benfica have been beaten only once all season there are five matches to play and they host Porto this Sunday night that's exciting in Holland Eindhoven is seven points ahead of Ajax who visit PSV that's a huge match in anybody's book particularly Dutch people's books Scotland as you know Pat Scottish Cup semi-finals this weekend Motherwell and Aberdeen which and might take second place. Because it's Celtic Rangers again. That's but it happens all the By now, isn't everyone bored of Celtic Rangers? Try. Have you been to one? No. That's why you asked that question. Okay. Because <laughs> you enough. can't. It's like saying to someone... Is it the greatest fixture? Um, it's really hard to say. I mean, I can remember thinking, oh, this is the best fixture. And it beats anything in the UK, uh-huh. without a doubt. So having played in... You know, Liverpool, Everton and Chelsea Sparks and all that sort of stuff. No, it beats anything here, I think. However, just for pure atmosphere, you know, a bit of hatred in there, but pure atmosphere. But then I remember going to a Sampa Genoa game and thinking, yeah. wow, didn't see that one coming. So you have to go and try them all before you actually say that. And That's I've not tried true. them all. Well, we could go up on, on, on Sunday then. Oh, you've got just go there. Can I tell you a very quick one? I took, uh, do you remember Ivano Benetti? Yeah. Uh, Ivano, great, great friend of mine, Ivano. And I was trying to explain to him what it was like to play, uh, to see a Celtic Rangers game. And he was giving it, no, no, I've played in all the great Italian ones. So we went and we watched the game. And he was very worried because the guy sitting beside us. Uh, and he said, Pat, 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 you don't, you see, okay. And I went, I looked down at this guy who's wearing a short sleeve shirt. Um, and it's December the 1st in Scotland and it's minus five. And, and I said, no, no, it's okay. It's not as normal up here in this sort of you know, atmosphere. And he said, no, no, but he's sweating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, Ivano. But no, that's still normal here. But he, Ivano was absolutely knocked out by it. Totally knocked out. And he's made the Canio score that day. So it was very right. exciting. But it's right up there. And it still right. is. Ivano knocked out, but not by a plate of chicken wings on this occasion. No, he often talked about that. And yeah. it was, uh, it was right. caught in the cheek. Uh, in Spain, Barcelona, remember them. They need to bounce back. They're at home 
to third place Valencia. It's a big game. In Germany, Rafa mentioned this on Monday, it hasn't got any less huge in the intervening period because Schalke are facing Dortmund in the Ruhr derby. Is it second against third? Second against it fourth? Is. Yeah, second yeah, against yeah. third. Well, it's certainly Thank the you. battle for second place. 4-4 mm. last time. Incredible game as well, do you remember? Yeah. <laughs> fear, fear. No, I was just doing German numbers oh, in my sorry, head. Oh, yeah. sorry, yeah. Fear, fear. You, uh... Yeah. Uh, Dortmund throwing away a 4-0 lead. Mm. Just incredible. In Italy, Pat, got another of those exciting Italian derbies, but it's the Rome derby this time. We mentioned way back at the start, Roma coming off one of the greatest nights of their history, taking on a Lazio team that's in action this evening, 4-2 up from the home leg against uh, RB Salzburg. But as we know now, 4-2, no guarantee of progress. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Because that's going to be huge. Talked about the, the race for third place there. In the title race, still four points between Juventus and Napoli. Juve hosting Sampdoria, which is a big game. But Milan-Napoli looks pretty massive. Pretty do or die for the Neapolitans. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, although uh, Milan will be without uh, Leonardo Bonucci and Alessio Romagnoli, their two uh, star centre-backs. So if I was Dries Mertens, Lorenzo Insigne and Jose Callejon, I would be rubbing my hands together. You'd be busy, wouldn't you? Being yeah. three players yeah. at once. Crikey. <laughs> uh, and uh, not in any way least, but very much last in this little list, is France, Ligue 1, Jules, where... Oh, my word, it's PSG Monaco. Yeah, on Sunday night at the Parc des Princes, which they would win the league, PSG, if they beat Monaco. And also, if that happens and Marseille and and Lyon both win as well this weekend, that make the gap between them two who are level on points in third and fourth with Monaco just down to four. Right. So the race for second could almost be back in as well with just five games to go after that. PSG coming into this on the back of a disappointing 1-1 draw away at Saint-Étienne. Terrible. How about Cavani's miss there, Jules? Oh, my God. It was incredible. I mean, it was the worst game by far this season, especially the first half. They were dreadful. They got really lucky in the end. Mathieu Debussy scoring a non-goal literally in the last kick of the game and Cavani missing that sitter literally with an empty goal in front of him in the box on the pass by Di Maria. He misses more big setters than any other top class striker. one, Pat, is really really bad. (laughs) Really bad. This is a few. Okay. Um, there is a story, Jules. There's and it's two, actually. Okay. One that you mentioned and then the Thomas Tuchel one. Okay, who... yeah. Well, now, you said, I think, recently that Thomas Tuchel was going to be going to Paris Saint-Germain for next season and, and a lot of reports now confirming mm. your, your little scoop there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not just me, because a lot of people as well in Germany mm. reported it. But, yeah, Thomas Tuchel will be the PhD manager for sure next season for the next two years plus a third in option as well, which is fascinating for many reasons but just to make it short just to see if he can handle obviously that dressing room uh-huh. and the egos like Neymar and also if he can make that squad play his style of football which I very doubt he will compromise on anyway so it's either you play my way or you don't play I would think mm. and see how that team can develop under him because he's a very uh, clinical German court manager if you want but he can also improve you if you are willing to work with him like Mkhitaryan or Gundogan, for example, who we transformed from you know, good players into sort of world-class players, mm. uh, but because they were ready to learn. The, the ones who were not that happy didn't really improve that much. So In that case, goodbye Neymar. Well, it Maybe. might be goodbye Neymar anyway because of the, the stories circulating this week that UEFA have looked at 
PSG's accounts and have said that they have wildly overinflated the value of a couple of sponsorship deals, which means they'll have a big shortfall if they're going to fit into the under the bar on, on FFP, which limits clubs to making losses of no more than £30 million over three seasons. Now, the two deals that went through last year, £222 million for... Neymar, and we're not sure what the final figure is going to be for Mbappe when that officially becomes a sale, but that's that's due to become a sale this summer, or a rather a purchase this summer. Yes, he's done already. Now, th- I believe that PSG have until June mm. to get their books in order, but th- is this just another of those kind of scare stories, or has the pressure from the likes of the Spanish, uh, Javier Tabas at the head of the La Liga, is it going to mean that, that UEFA are actually going to force PSG to... Enter a period of austerity. Mm. It's, I think we'll have to wait and see. The club is denying the, the that report from the Financial Times uh, at the moment, mm. strongly as well, saying this is not true, that they had very positive meetings with UFI this season and that they've put everything in place to make sure that they're in line with financial fair play, that they're gonna, not going to be any trouble. They are planning to sell players in the summer, which they think will put them right into on the right balance if you want. But when so you've got we'll that Mbappe figure coming in, that, that's a lot of players to be sold to make up for that. Yeah, no, that's very true. That's very true. Although this one will be for next year's account. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so Neymar just the 222 for, for Neymar. Yeah, that's okay. what they're trying to claim, at least. Okay. How, how long is it before we start getting stories in the press about a massive big transfer fee because PSG have managed to get the accountants from Man City to come to them? Because it's the how good your accountants are at this point in time is going to tell if you're in the Champions League or not. And I think there's not much love lost between those two sets of accountants, is there? Or, no. or any sets of accountants, right. to be yeah. fair. Because it's, it's that important. Because you do need to be very creative in your accountancy yeah. to get this through. Get Italian accountants. That's sort of that. Oh, yeah. Well, you, not Yuvi's old one. Not Yuvi's <laughs> old accountants. <laughs> All right. So, Jules, are you concerned or not? I'm not concerned right now, no. I can't be. I mean, like, I believe my club. Narrator's voice, he was. All right. Excellent. Uh, Well, guys, uh, we've had a long chat, and thanks for being with us, listeners, for that, uh, about all the football. How about now we get the odds with Paddy Power and producer Ben? Thank you, Jimbo. I'm with Lee Price. And Lee, let's talk about the weekend that's coming up. Spurs are playing City. It's the big one. City. They've lost three in a week. Is it going to be four? Absolutely crazy. We think it might be four. This one's closer than a Guardiola meltdown, I think. We make Spurs the very narrow favourites at six to four, which is about a 40% chance, while City's odds, eight to five, equate to around 38.5% chance. Uh, But with a 13-point lead in the table, it's hardly squeaky bum time for City. But it's certainly good to know they are fallible, at least until they spend £300 million this summer. Well, before spending three hundred million pounds, what about the the money back special that's uh, that's running on this one? Yeah, sadly, this is max refund ten pound, not max refund three hundred million pounds. But it's money back as a free bet if Spurs win, and that applies to losing first, last, anytime goal scorers, correct score, and what odds Paddy markets. So let's talk about the team that beat City midweek. Uh, Liverpool, they're up against Bournemouth now. Bournemouth are the comeback kings. Uh, what are the odds here on uh, a goal in the eightieth minute or later? Mm. Uh, usually I'd start this with some sort of cheap shot about Liverpool's defence but after the last week even Dejan Lovren looks impassable uh, Bournemouth would be glad to be the kings of something but I don't think it'll be the comeback here we go 8-1 to one on a late goal for the Cherries they'll just have to satisfy themselves to being kings of the South Coast instead Speaking of the South Coast Southampton they're up against Chelsea and Chelsea are having a rotten time of it 
at the moment, but not nearly as bad as Southampton, who have only won once since, I think, mid-November. Crikey. Yeah, I can't work out if this is free money or not. Saints really, 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 really need to win, and Chelsea really, really, really can't be asked. So our price of 10-3 to 3 for Southampton win, and let's face it, they absolutely have to win, uh, looks very tempting, but we still make Chelsea favourites odds on at 4-5, to five, which is absolutely mad. Chelsea's hopes of the top four are well and truly gone now, um, and Arsenal are very much hot on their heels. Can they can they catch them and finish fifth again and win that fifth place trophy? <laughs> uh, so mathematically speaking, Arsenal can catch them and finish fifth. They're just three points behind Chelsea. Uh, they're one slip from Pouncey, but first of all, they've got the Europa League to focus on, barring a miracle tonight. Uh, but this is Arsenal we're talking about. We go seven to four, they finish fifth, but I'd still just about favour Chelsea despite everything. And last and very much least uh, for this section, Lee, uh, can I uh, please get the price on an acker? I think the Swansea, Everton, Huddersfield, Watford and Burnley Leicester are all going to finish nil-nil. <laughs> that should be a good weekend then. Um, if you want to actually bet on this, the acker would come in at 449 to 1. Although quite how you cheer that one home, I'll never, never know. You can find out those odds and more at paddypad.com. It's 18 plus only, begambleaware.org, and when the fun stops, stop. And Jules, I salute you. Thank you, James, for having me today. No, thank you for being here. Look forward to seeing you again soon. We're going to do some swapsies on our paninis. Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) Pat, lovely to see you again. No, it's great, but I do feel as if I'm back at school again with you two talking about your swapsies and your cards. <laughs> oh, not because of the level of tactical analysis. <laughs> that that as well. Yes, that obviously well. that as well. Right. Au revoir. As we started in French, I'll end in French. Ah, bien sûr. Et enfin, James Horncastle. Tack, tack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, listeners, uh, well done. We'll catch up with you on Monday. Have a great time till then. The Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. That was pretty good, wasn't it? Not nearly enough football league, though. Why don't you give the Totally Football League show a try? You'll find us on Audio Boom, iTunes, all the other places you get your podcasts.